Evening, passengers. This is your conductor speaking. Take your seats, keep all arms, tentacles, and other appendages inside the hearse at all times. We wouldn't want any unhappy accidents, now would we? Tonight's brought to you by the dark underbelly of the mythological and factual world. It may not be appropriate for all the little cryptids in your home. Be sure to tuck them into their coffins with a kiss goodnight, because we're revving up for our road trip to the grave. Hi, I'm Matu. Hi, I'm Stephanie. And I'm Shelby, and I'll be your driver for this evening. Oh my god, you guys. I don't like to gossip, you guys know me. But I saw... Goody Proctor communing with the devil. Oh my god. Please tell me you saw that fucking TikTok I sent you. I did. That's what I'm quoting. <laughs> and he's the the outfit. He has like the bonnet on and everything. He Have does. you seen it? It's very Puritan. Have you uh, seen it, Stephanie? Mm-mm. I'll, I'll, I'll put, it. I'll put oh. it in the um uh, wait, you followed me on TikTok, right? Yeah. I'll send it to you. It's so funny. <laughs> fucking hilarious and i've been quoting it ever since because somebody tweeted yesterday uh or not yesterday the other day they're like i saw goody proctor wearing booty shorts booty <laughs> shorts and so i've been goody Pro- goody proctor has been doing everything now because it's just in my head also shelby you are nothing but a head do you like my floating head because your shoulders are so black from I your know. shirt that you're nothing but a head. <laughs> It's like the shadow on my neck and then like this part of my chest. So I just look like a floating head and like mm-hmm. some neck. <laughs> uh, sidebar though, you can tell that you've lost weight. Oh, thank like you. Like right here. It's from the not being able to eat delicious foods. <laughs> and the not being pregnant part helps, I'm sure. Yes, it, it, does. it does. Okay. Okay. What's our word Whatever. <laughs> so um, going into this, I feel like it's pertinent to inform everybody that all three of us have ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> no, what? And, and that all three of us really love King of the Hill. So I hope y'all like tangents and King of the Hill quotes. <laughs> Get ready for some dumb shit. <laughs> Get ready for some dumb shit, y'all. All right. So let's open with this week's car game. It's a would you rather. So... Would y'all rather have finger length nipples or nipple length fingers? <laughs> Wait, where did you find this question? The blessed internet. <laughs> the depths of fucking hell. Um, oh. oh, God. Uh, the thought of nipple length fingers fucking kills me. Just little I feel like fucking I would rather have that babies. than like my nipple be this long. <laughs> Oh my god. At least you could hide like the finger length nipples. <laughs> okay, so like this is the hard part. Because I use my hands for work. Right. So like I can't have little Same. Could you imagine like your nubs. Little, little nip fingers trying to hold like a <laughs> Imagine when I was a phlebotomist just trying to like uh, No. Just, like, hold still, ma'am. <laughs> Hold on, let me help you with my strong hand. <laughs> Take my good hand. They're both hand. bad. Oh, <laughs> uh, fucking um, nipples, long nipples. Give me long nipples. I, I, I think I would go with long nipples too, because you can hide them under your shirt. Yeah. And I feel like. Yeah, the, I guess I would do the same. The really nubby fingers would be like useless. 
And I feel bad, like, because I know there are people who can totally do a million things without hands and stuff. Like, amputees are, like, the most... Like, I'm a little bitch, okay? If I lose my hands, I'm <laughs> fucked forever. Yes. Um, but people who do, like, art and stuff with their mouths oh, and... Oh, that shit is so ...their impressive. feet and stuff, like, you guys yes. are fucking stellar amazing yes and the people who are learning how to use electronic arms and stuff like that and hands and fingers fucking amazing because i have the intelligence of a toddler who's done too much cocaine and (laughs) i am just like i would not be able to and like and my brain is at this point where like if i have nipple length fingers they're probably also nipple squishy that's also how I picture it. Like, right? not even, like, rigid nubs. Right, just, so they're like, just, like, just, just like, flaccid. Ones. Oh, my God. Imagine. Imagine because, so one She's of my like, nipples can completely oh. be inverted. Oh, no. So not only. What if your fingers were inverted? I'd fucking lose it. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. Oh. So soft it can be inverted into your knuckles. That's terrible. Yes, no, I also pictured flaccid fingers <laughs> flaccid nipple fingers flaccid nipple fingers yes yeah all yeah. right trucking right along um, <laughs> just just as a note before i go into um our story for today uh this focuses really heavily unfortunately on what can be considered the most uh fatal war in u.s history if you count per capita not by body count it's literally the worst war that has happened in the u.s um it takes place between mayflower colonists and the indigenous people i will be referring to the colonists as colonizers through this whole thing that's what they are i'm not going to call them settlers i'm not going to call them pilgrims i'm i feel like that's important to establish before i go into this um and also I feel like it's really important for people to tell their own stories, their own lore, things like that. What I'm going to be covering is a history because that history is an important groundwork for the phenomena of this place. So um, that's also important uh, just because it's a history. I feel comfortable covering this. I won't touch lore that doesn't belong to me or things like that. I feel like it's very important for people to tell their own stories. Agreed. Yes. So um, this week we're going to be covering the Bridgewater Triangle. The Bridgewater Triangle was a. Also, I want to thank Matu before we go into this because I bo- I feel like I bothered the shit out of you being like, is this respectful? Can I word it like this? Like, uh. <laughs> I just want to make sure I'm respectful as possible. And Matu has been like super great about answering my questions and make sure that we cover this in a way that's as respectful as possible so thank yeah, you yeah and i think that like that um the ojibwe guy that i sent you that entire like list of things on how to be respectful towards indigenous people was mm-hmm. probably really helpful as well um, i did really and i liked that thank you for sending that to me oh yeah for sure and i think like on a point when you're saying you're gonna, I'm gonna call them colonizers oh like for any of the the white people out there who are just like shivering in their britches right now over the word colonizers the colonizers are the fucking government we're not talking about the peons and peasants who were just as fucked over as natives yes they were racist because it was really common to be racist it was like the normal social but we're talking about the government people the people in control who actively had hand in slaughtering and genocide of native people for land Yes. 
Right. It's also important to establish too that there were people who came over on the Mayflower and who were part of the colonies that absolutely respected the indigenous people for- There were anti-racists who yes. didn't agree with slavery and would not in have enslaved people. So like we, throughout history, there's always been progressive people, always. Right. Like it, just mind blowing. But like when we're talking about colonizers, colonizers are people who are actively, who actively were like benefiting from and engaging in colonizer behavior. Yes, exactly. And like I was saying, there were people who knew that they uh, owed their entire existence to the assistance that the indigenous people gave them because there were people who were starving to death in other colonies yep. because they were like, oh, we came over here and we have no fucking idea how to like cultivate this land. Right. So they like I was died. telling you before, like the, when the Mayflower and all any of the others came over, they did not send farmers. They did nope. not send hunters. They did not send workers. They sent aristocrats. aristocrats. They were like, all right, you got it. Go ahead. <laughs> it was just like bookies and nobles and like their wives and kids and like yes. they which is why they relied so heavily for so long on enslaved people yes. which a lot of people don't notice but like um before we get into like oh well maybe the natives should have just left the colonizers alone before we ever get that because this what shelby's about to talk about is gnarly uh for lack of a nicer yes, word to put it it is um, though colonizers when they first came on the mayflower they were struggling natives had nothing to do with them there was no like war between the natives and the settlers at that point um but um, like my kin you know because i i think of all tribes as my kin um they caught the colonizers eating their own dead for meat because they didn't know the land. They didn't know what was safe to eat. They couldn't forage or anything like that without risk of dying. And a lot of them were already sick from the ride over because it was so easy to get sick on a ship that went on that long length of a journey. And uh, so the native people were like, not supposed to eat the dead. <laughs> let's, let's not. Let's not do that. What is y'all doing? Uh, so they were like, we got to help these babies because otherwise they're going to die. <laughs> because yes. uh, the natives, like, just from the Algonquins, like, experience with the Vikingers, um, they already had experience with uh, settler groups because Newfoundland was established with trade communication and um, learning each other's languages and everything between the Vikingers and the uh, natives long before that. Long, long before that. Yeah. So. So going forward, I'm glad you brought that up, Montu. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and put in a trigger and a content warning right here, just for violence against the indigenous, really, really shit treatment of the indigenous. Yeah. And then later in the story, there's going to be um, somewhat graphic descriptions of executions and the aftermath of those executions. So if those are things that are not for you or like you're just not in the headspace to listen to that, um, I mean, tune back in next week for Stephanie's episode or come back at a later time when you're in a headspace for it. But otherwise, um, I'll go ahead and get started. Yeah. 
So the Bridgewater Triangle is a term that was coined by the famed cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman in his 1983 book, Mysterious America. That is in reference to a hundred square foot swath of land that encompasses the towns of Abington, Rehoboth, and Freetown. Those are the points of the triangle. And then within that triangle are the towns of Brockton, Whitman, West Bridgewater, East Bridgewater, Bridgewater, Middleborough, Dighton, Berkeley, Raynham, Norton, Easton, Lakeville, Seekonk, and Taunton. It's home to reports of hauntings, several cryptids, and even a satanic cult. Quote unquote satanic cult. <laughs> also, the quote unquote air bunnies. Um, <laughs> so, the main person involved in this is, um, like I said, the Mayflower, the Mayflower colonizers and um, an indigenous man named King Philip. Obviously, King Philip was not born King Philip. He was born, uh, there's several iterations of his name. The, the two that I've seen the most are Metacomet or Metacom. He was the second oldest son of a Wampanoag chief named uh, Massasoit. And Massasoit was the grand sachem of the Wampanoag people and then specifically the Poconogets. He had an uh, um, he had an older brother named Wamsutta, a younger brother named Takamuna, and then he had two sisters named Amy or Amy, and then another sister whose name they don't know. Uh, Massasoit's name literally meant Great Sachem, and he had built a long-standing cooperation and a friendship with the people of the Plymouth Colony, and he did this by forging political and personal ties with the colonial leaders of the time, who were William Bradford, Edward Winslow, Stephen Hopkins, John Carver, and Miles Standish. John Carver was the governor at the time. He was the first governor of the Plymouth Colony, and with Massasoit, he created the Pilgrim Wampanoag Peace Treaty, and they created this in March of 1621. The Poconokets were suffering attacks against them by the Narragansett uh, tribe and epidemics. Through their collaboration, the Plymouth colonizers and the Poconokets were able to defend themselves against the Narragansett, and both villages really flourished because of this. Massasoit sent Squanto. Um, Squanto was also known as Tisquantum, and he taught them how to cultivate their land and taught them how to hunt. That way they wouldn't starve. Like we said earlier, that was a really big problem um, in the colonies because as Machu said, they basically sent over aristocrats and were like, I, you, you got it. Good luck. Good luck. They, spoiler alert, they did not have it. They mm -hmm. were not good. <laughs> they were not good. <laughs> they were not good at all. So, um, an unfortunate byproduct of the Plymouth colony doing so well with the help of the indigenous is that that encouraged further colonization between the years of 1620 and 1628. 700 Puritans created the Massachusetts Bay Colony, and this was under a shitbag by the name of John Winthrop. Um, though Massasoit had forged the Puritan Wampanoag Treaty with John Carver, um, Winthrop had not formed any such treaty and he had no plans to do so, nor honor John, Carter, John Carver's treaty. He was basically like, I don't got to do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> right? He just saw that. He was like, Peter says no, I'm not doing that. Um, I <laughs> basically. So Winthrop believed, uh, unsurprisingly, that they were ordained by God to colonize this land. Would you like to know why shitbag John Winthrop believed this? He believed this because 80% of the villages that they came across, like indigenous villages, were abandoned. 
Would you like to know why they were abandoned? <laughs> because yes. because eighty percent of them had been wiped out by the fucking diseases that that the colonizers brought that the over. Colonizers with them. brought over, and the indigenous people had no immunity for because we weren't born around them. Right. So John Winthrop claimed that this was God removing the indigenous peoples for their benefit. Someone should have gave him a fucking box blanket of his own. Uh, in my notes, I wrote the caucasity. <laughs> the caucasity. <laughs> oh, you know what's funny? Like, okay, just minor sidebar. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, the word Caucasian didn't actually like become a word that embraced white people until God, like, um, a really long, yeah, like a really, really long time ago, it yes. happened. But like, it used to literally just mean what we call the Middle East now. Like, yeah, like the Caucasus area, like the Caucasus Mountains. No? Yeah. Up. Oh, yes. Yeah. Shelby just corrected me. Yeah. Eli is correcting me while you were correcting me. But, <laughs> you know the fuck I'm like, but like, it was people who are not what we like see as Caucasians now because Caucasians now are like your Western, like the Western white Europe. People. The white, white people. White. white. <laughs> so. Though Winthrop had not directly threatened the Wampanoag or the Wampanoag land, uh, he was busy colonizing up other lands. Uh, there is a quote that I found from a Narragansett chief named, I hope I say this right, if not, please yell at me, Miantonomi, I think is how you say this. And he was quoted as saying, You know, our fathers had plenty of deer, and our coves were full of fish and fowl, but these English have gotten our land. They with scythes cut down the grass and with axes fell the trees. Their cows and horses eat the grass and their hogs spoil our clam banks and we shall be starved. So, because our land was not designed for cows. Nope. No. And so the scholar Alan Taylor, who was commenting on this in an article that I read, um, said, when the indigenous reacted by killing and eating the offending livestock, the colonizers demanded that the culprits stand trial in their courts for theft. Insistent on their own property rights and animals, the uh, New Englanders were indifferent to the indigenous property rights in growing corn. Again, the absolute caucasity. And you know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of the atrocity that is the Pocahontas Disney movie. Oh god. And how it shows them smiling while putting corn in baskets. Corn was not that size at that time in, in the world. <laughs> what the yes, fuck? It was. It was don't, giant. Don't make me fight you. Um <laughs> like, like are you trying to tell me that natives invented GMO bitch? Calm down and sit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they made plumbing. Is it that far out of the realm that they were that advanced in science they could make GMO corn? Right. <laughs> and like, while I'm angry about Pocahontas for five seconds, um, my man, they killed my man, my future husband. How are you gonna look at Coco Woman and be like, I would prefer John Smith? <laughs> How do you look at all of the the layers of man that Coco Woman is? Like when her best friend was like, "Bitch, I'll take him." I yeah. was like, right. He would have been better off. Fuck you, Pocahontas. You go get yourself some tiny white dick. Like, <laughs> I can't believe they killed my man. I'm so angry. I hate that movie so much. Anyway, let's go on. My favorite thing was that one time Michael got like really drunk and I brought up Pocahontas. <laughs> and he was like, I don't even remember that movie. And I was like, 
I, I want to watch that movie just so we can write down how many times they use a racial slur for indigenous people and oh it ended God. up being like 45 times. There's a whole song <laughs> called Savages. I know. Like, what were you expecting? Like, um, in 2015, yeah, 2015, I was like, you know, maybe I didn't give Pocahontas the chance it deserved because I hated it as a child. You were correct to hate it as a child. Uh, well, remember, I grew up near like a Cherokee uh, reservation. All of mm-hmm. my friends were Cherokee or um, Lakota. I'm uh, Anishinaabe, possibly Lakota, but um, paperwork, who knows? Who knows? And um, so I only claim the niche because that's the only thing I can like actively be like, yes, here's the evidence of that. Um, but I remember hating it and being like, this isn't what this is like. And remember it not being like accurate to anything I learned about native no. people no. because I grew up in Iowa where they, for some reason in the smaller like schools, we were actually taught proper shit about mm-hmm. native people. Yes. But like, uh, I mean, when you're right next to a reservation, it's kind of hard not to. Uh, but like, I watched it in 2014 and Eli's in the other room and all they hear is me scream, the fucking wind taught her English? <laughs> because I was so fucking angry. <laughs> I know, right? They're all grandmother willow. There's no fucking your... way. There's no fucking way gra- the grandma was like, yeah, fuck that white boy. No, she did not. <laughs> Marry the cute boy from the other tribe and make a fucking tri- treaty connection, you little asshole. <laughs> Also, look at him. What's wrong with you? The only excuse would have been if she was in love with her best friend. I also love the fact that John Smith is the only person who has an American accent in that whole movie, even though he... The only one. (laughs) (laughs) It's... You know why they did that? Because there's a whole concept that Americans are seen as saviors. Yeah, that's fair. Anyway, pressing on. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please continue. Um, so unfortunately, as we all know at this point, um, the friendships that have been created really were tested and tensions really began to arise when Massasoit demanded that Tisquantum be turned over to him by the colonizers because he believed that they had betrayed, or not they, I apologize, that Squanto had betrayed the Poconokets and they would not turn him over. Uh, he was the person who taught them, you know, how to farm, how to hunt. So they were like, no. Uh, and then in addition to that, the colonizers did what colonizers do best and began expanding onto land that did not belong to them. Um, to assist with this, just so the tensions didn't rise with other tribes, Massasoit sold 14 square miles of Wampanoag land to the colony. Um, in the past, Edward Winslow who is the father of the main complete demon asshole that we're going to be talking about in the near future. (laughs) Uh, He had cared for Massasoit when he fell violently ill and then nursed him back to health. Massasoit tried so hard to keep the peace between the Wampanoag and the English, uh, often to their detriment because they just kept taking advantage of them. I'm so sorry. (laughs) 
Continue. Uh, <laughs> so upon Massasoit's death in 1661, he was believed to be anywhere from 80 to 90 years old, which super impressive for that time. Yeah, not common back then. No, not at all. I mean, yes and no. So for Native Americans, yes. In some right. extent. To some for extent. For the white people who were afraid of water, absolutely not. Because, it, <laughs> like, we can also look at the uh, Chinese as an example. They had longer yeah. lifespans right. for True. very long time. But yeah, continue. Yes. So, um, at that time, at the time of his death, his sons, Wamsutta and Metacomet, went to Plymouth and then um, sought to be given English names. They were named Alexander and Philip by the courts respectively. So um, from this point on, I'll be referring to Metacomet as Philip because um, there are a lot of documents that even in indigenous um, like transactions or indigenous dealings, he used the name King Philip. So I'm going to be referring to him as that. And then um, Matu can explain um, why a lot of the indigenous people decided to take English names. Right. So, um, in the favor of trade. So a lot of things that the natives did were in the favor of trade with settlers and the colonizers. Um, and so like the entire group of the Matisse specifically are a branch of the Ojibwe people and French fur traders, for example, who married and split off to make their own community and their own tribe. Uh, Matisse itself just means white and native mixed, uh, but it is a specific uh, tribe set. So a lot of what natives would do, including taking on white names or European names, was in the favor of making trade easier. So a good firm example would be like if you know somebody with a really hard to say ethnic name, um, they might take on a white nickname. This is really common with East Asian uh, immigrants who uh, you meet them and their name is Paul, but that's not actually their name kind of thing. Uh, so taking on a white name is a age old tradition that the natives also participated in, in order for their own safety, for better acceptance and for better trade routes. Thank you. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, um, Wamsutta then became the sachem of the Poconokets and then the grand sachem of the Wampanoag for about a year until his death at the hands of assistant governor king shitbag Josiah Winslow. Oh, God, Josiah Winslow. I was like, why? <laughs> why? Like the whole time I was doing this research, I was like, it costs nothing to be nice. Um, um... It's believed. <laughs> <laughs> I had a thought. It's, it's fine. Continue. <laughs> not being an asshole is free. I had a really oh, not nice thought. <laughs> being nice also costs the indigenous people everything. Yes. So it's believed that uh, Wamsutta was either poisoned or tortured to death by Winslow when uh, he was called to give his account on the sale of a parcel of land that he had sold somebody. So the English colonizers had passed laws forbidding commerce with the Wampanoag and then learned that Wamsutta, through the assistance of his brother-in-law, Thomas Willett, who spoke Algonquin and Dutch fluently, sold the parcel of land to a man named Richard Smith. Um, I've seen Richard Smith, and I've also seen Roger Williams. Uh, Roger Williams was a friend of the Narragansett, so I'm not sure which it was, but 
either way, he sold a parcel of land. Um, it's also worth noting here that Philip believed that his father was also killed by Josiah Winslow because Massasoit died very shortly after having a meeting with him. And this claim also has credence to it because Winslow was well known for his hatred of the indigenous. He saw them as obstacles to their way of life. So um, just a bit on the uh, trial, or I'm sorry, that's an, that's a different trial. <laughs> so basically, Wamsetta went to give his side of the story about selling the parcel of land. And from there, I don't know what got them from the trial to him being killed. But um, after he went to go give his account of selling the land, they, you know, they took him and they killed him, even though this was in violation of a treaty that basically said, colonizers punish the colonizers the Wampanoag punish the Wampanoag so this was not okay this was literally violating their own laws so um Governor Winslow heard from an indigenous man named Sasamon that Philip was meeting with chieftains to discuss war because at this point he believes that they murdered his father and he knows they murdered his brother so he's like Nope. <laughs> yeah. Nope. So he meets with various chieftains of other tribes, and Sasaman was like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go get in the good graces of Governor Winslow," and went and told him. So the straw that finally broke the camel's back that ultimately led to the war was during the trial of Sasaman. Um, just a little bit about him: he was an indigenous man who converted to Christianity. Uh, he dictated King Philip's will because King Philip was like, hey, I want to make sure that everything goes to my son and I want this written in English. That way, um, if any of the colonizers come upon this, it's in, you know, his language and in English. That way it's irrefutable. You can't be like, oh, that doesn't say that. That's just something else because we all know that uh, that's not out of the realm of possibility. However, Sasaman uh, basically told Philip, oh, yep, yep, yep. I'm writing all that down exactly as you say. He left everything to himself. Yeah. All of, all of Sasaman's, uh, or sorry, all of King Philip's assets, all of his land, everything, he left it to himself. So um, <laughs> obviously when King Philip learned of this, he was fucking pissed. So Sasaman was like, got a dip. <laughs> so <laughs> he runs and then when he found out about uh, like i said um when he found out that philip was going to other chiefs and discussing war he told winslow and then he was promptly murdered by philip understandably so mm -hmm. um so during this everybody up to this point had been saying oh it was definitely king philip who murdered sasaman but then three quote-unquote eyewitnesses suddenly pop up and they're like, no, it wasn't Philip. It was these three Wampanoag guys. And all three of them were counselors to King Philip. So of course, even though people are like, no, it really wasn't them. They're like, nah, we decided it was. So um, they hung all three of them and Philip was done 
at that point. And again, this was a violation of the 1621 treaty that was created by his father and John Carver, that each people were supposed to punish their own people. Right. So at this point, Philip understandably decided that that was enough. They had endured enough at the hands of the colonizers. They weren't upholding their side of the deal. They weren't upholding treaties. And as I said, they believed that they had murdered his father and his brother. So um, that is what led to the raid on Swansea. And then one observer of the whole conflict stated, the pent up passions of many years fanned into flame were past suppression. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, as shit. I, yeah. And as I said earlier, a lot of this was basically the second generation of colonizers not appreciating everything that the indigenous did for them that their forebears had appreciated the indigenous mm-hmm. for. They were basically like, oh, we did this ourselves. We don't, we don't need you guys. You're just in the way. We're we're awesome. You didn't do anything. <laughs> I mean, it's very typical. Like even now, uh, you could set something up for somebody, get somebody going, and the moment they get that taste of like, oh, well, I'm settled now. It's fuck you. I don't give a shit what you did. Mm-hmm, fuck you, and- I got mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And we, we see it all the fucking time. And, like, it's still, it still happens. It's, like, the white go-to. Um, and I'm not Maybe. saying that other <laughs> ethnic people, like, other races don't do it. Like, obviously, it's a human nature bullshit thing. But, like, yes. it is very common, especially among Americans. Yes. So, from here, um, I'm going to be going over various battles. There are so many that I'm just going to touch on them briefly. So um, on June 20th of 1675, King Philip led a small group of his Poconokids to raid several small outlier homesteads in the town of Swansea. From there, the group destroyed the town and killed several of the colonizers. And then um, as a retaliation for the destruction of Swansea, the English destroyed the Wampanoag town of Mount Bristol. Um, a week later, on June 27, 1675, there was a lunar eclipse that occurred, and the tribes in the area felt that that was a good omen, and then began their attack in full. So, by the summer of 1675, there were two more tribes that had joined the fighting, the Podunk and the Nipmuc, and then many of the battles that happened throughout six, 1675. Um, also, before I go on, I do use the term um if i know the tribe specifically i'll say it but um a lot of the research that i found it doesn't specify like who did what there are instances where it says who did what but if they don't they kind of all banded together to fight the colonizers so um if i do know the name of the tribe that's involved in a fight i will use it but otherwise i just use the term um various indigenous tribes yeah i think that various indigenous tribes is also his like the historical um like standard for right considering multiple groups um another would just be to say um the eastern um north american uh indigenous if you wanted to specify that way but i think various works in this context okay so um the first instance that we have here is the siege of brookfield it's also called wheeler surprise 
The colonizer armies were ambushed by the Nipmuc. At this instance, several of the colonial soldiers had died. And then at this point, the English Confederation that consisted of the Massachusetts Bay Colony, the Plymouth Colony, New Haven Colony, and Connecticut Colony. Colony. (laughs) Boston. Boston. (laughs) The Connecticut (laughs) Colony declared war on the indigenous population. The next battle that we have is the Battle of Bloody Brook, in which the Nipmuc ambushed a train of wagons that were transporting food provisions for their armies from Deerfield to Hadley. 40 militiamen and 17 teamsters were killed as a result of this. So that's 57 deaths out of the 70 or so men that they had with them. Um, The attack on Springfield, the indigenous, I can't, I swear, (laughs) the indigenous tribes next attacked the town of Springfield. They burnt it to the ground, including the town's grist mill. Um, If you don't know what a grist mill is, it's basically um, like a grain mill and that's how they process their grains to make themselves food so that's attacking their food source basically um next and notably the great swamp fight going into this just some information about the swamp itself the hockamuck swamp is a 16,950 acre wetland and it's the largest freshwater swamp in the state the wampanoag people gave the swamp the name hockamuck and it means place where spirits dwell during King Philip's War, the swamp was used as a fortress by the Wampanoag due to its vast size and thick foliage. It's basically, um, if you don't know where you're going in there, you're going to get lost and you're not going to find what you're looking for, which led them a huge tactical advantage. Um, and what I can only describe as a tale as old as time, <laughs> once the colonizers learned that they were calling it that, they began to refer to it as the Devil's Swamp. As and they enough- do as they do, as one does, um, in an effort to legitimize their war efforts as being holy and of God. (laughs) Um, On November 2nd of that year, a coalition of soldiers sent by Governor Shitbag Winslow was sent to attack a Narragansett settlement and they burned it to the ground. Despite numerous treaties and the Narragansett had tried very hard to remain a neutral party in the war, I know I discussed earlier that the Narragansett had attacked the Poconokets for some time, but um, they they wanted no part of this. They tried right. very hard to remain neutral. Um, unfortunately for the Narragansett at this point, most of their food stores were destroyed along with the town. I think and it's it, also really important to uh, for anyone who's not really great with their history to understand that all of this happened before the Revolutionary War. Yes, this was and, in the late yeah. 16... 16- um and that things only got worse for the natives after the revolutionary war yes so like if you think this is bad (laughs) (laughs) right so another thing about this and what makes this especially insulting is that even though the narragansett had tried very hard to remain a neutral party they agreed to turn over philip if he sought refuge with them they basically were like, we're only going to take in people if they're like trying to flee the war. But if Philip turns up here, we will turn him over to you. And they still raised that town to the ground, destroyed their food stores, destroyed their homes. And then again, recall that this is in November. They had to flee to the swamp because again, they were being attacked. Um, The colonizers were also forced to retreat at this time 
due to the lack of their provisions and 150 men were wounded and then 70 were killed. So just unreal. Um, Matu and I had also discussed at this point um, the relation of the, the murders of the people in the swamp mm. and uh, its relation to the genocide of the indigenous. Yeah, uh, which also leads off the point of me talking about the Revolutionary War as well. Um, and why I connect the Revolutionary War as being like when things got worse. Uh, because they were doing all of this and these these governors were British governors. Like these are the same fuckbags who were in control during the Salem witch hunts and stuff like that. Like uh, it's important to note and recognize that this was never about oh you killed so and so it was never about that in the end it was always about land and that's all this is like it's been about who owns the land who controls the land how much land can they control and getting rid of natives was the easiest and fastest way for them to control the land which means they controlled the food sources which means they controlled the people and this is still how governments work to this day and during the revolutionary war which we all know the revolutionary war was over taxes which is bullshit uh george washington had wrote to king george and begged him to let him take more land king george said fuck you i'm not breaking those treaties with those natives and george washington was like bet and that's when they decided to get everyone fucking railed up on cocaine about taxes because we love taxes taxes are so good right like tell me i'm wrong when the fucking boston tea party were all dressed like native americans boston right if you wanted to make a point about your taxes you'd go in as yourself this was all about getting king george pissed off at natives and then it just proceeded and got excessive and became a fucking full-blown war. And they were like, well, we can do whatever we want once that happens, which leads us into the near future of President Jackson starting the Trail of oh, Tears, God. which was over land. Yet again, they wanted that land and forced the Cherokee and many other various tribes off of the land that they knew and grew on and were able to understand the land to to somewhere where they didn't know where they were going. Obviously, there are still thriving tribes here in Oklahoma because Oklahoma was where like they landed at the end of the Trail of Tears. And um, I think a lot of people understand that story, but we lost 14,000 Cherokee to that journey. And the deaths of native people mattered very very little to the colonizers because when the natives asked can i please stay on this land i will become a colony member they were told if you stay you will be shot on sight by soldiers right and so like the genocide of my people of the native people my ken and the other various tribes it's always been about land, power, food, control. And I could go on an entire rant about this, but I just want to touch on those specific notes about how the murders and deaths of the natives that had to hide in the swamp in the middle of fucking winter, and especially in Eastern, um, like Eastern United States area, is one of the coldest areas in the U.S. It is, yeah. Uh, especially like from September 
till like March. It is bone fucking cold. Gets in the ne- uh, like negative of Fahrenheit, and um, all of this like at some point they would have been fine with just having Philip handed to them if it was about Philip. Yes. And it wasn't. It was about genocide of Native Americans. And uh, just like putting Native children in um, resident schools was never about, oh, we just want to train the savage out of them. Right. It was never about that because we are on a scale, we've already counted over almost 10,000 missing children that were buried underneath churches and resident schools. And still finding more to this day. And still finding fucking more. And that's just Canada. That's not even talking about the resident schools in the U.S. So, like, this has never, like, blood quantum that the U.S. uses to track nativeness in people and whether they're able to be on the rolls as, like, in the reservations or anything like that has always been about how can we eradicate you to a point where we own everything. Absolutely, yeah. It has always been about, I want the land, it's mine, belongs to me. Yep. Well, yeah, and I think that, that, you know, I mean, you nailed it, obviously, because this is is your story, the story of your people. But the easiest way to take that land was to erase any Mm -hmm. sign of these people. And they didn't care how they did it. They didn't care, you know, at what cost, as long as it happened and as long as they got the land. I think- Oh, sorry. Uh, I was thinking, like, in Canada, they tried to do it, do a different way about it. Uh, I mean, Canada still shoved people into the, you know, the recesses of areas, and they now have, like, food, um, like, deserts where a yeah. lot of reservations right. are in Canada. Um, but when the French came to Canada, they wanted to try and take land by having their French fur traders marry into um, a Ojibwe like communities and they're like we'll just you know destroy them from the inside out uh the problem is the french fur traders were like these women are really hot we're in love <laughs> and it's said, a vibe. fuck you to their colonies <laughs> and so that backfired on their asses obviously the canadian um like the british controlled and french controlled canadian uh colonizers still took over lots of land obviously yes. as we know um, and they're still, to this day, harming um, indigenous people, killing them, etc. So, yeah. so is the U.S. Obviously, we're not fucking free of any of this here in the United States. But um, when it comes to the pipelines, since we're talking about the genocide of Native people right now, um, and demonizing Native people on top of that, when it comes to like the pipelines and stuff, all of that is always about land and this is why they want us gone they want natives to not exist to not go back to their traditional ways to not continue to you know breed with our own people and stuff and continue our population because one less money they have to put towards reservations not that they fucking do much about that anyway and i'm sure we'll talk about indigenous trauma in the future again and i will get into um reservations that a different point because that is a much much deeper topic um but there it's so complicated but like all of this comes down to if you're dead i don't have to pay for the land yes 
I was going to say, too, that I think a perfect example of this was when I was discussing John Winthrop, how he was basically like, I don't give a shit about those treaties. I don't give a shit about these people. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. look at their empty villages. Like, clearly God wants us to have this land. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a perfect example. And then I was also going to say that Canada is the U.S. with better PR. (laughs) That's absolutely it. Like, like we haven't had the greatest presidents and stuff like that but um at least we're not so fucking blindsided by like the attractiveness of our president that we're like not criticizing him at all oh i don't know man there were people out there who were like oh my god trump Okay, we don't. Those aren't people. <laughs> those people not are not re- listening to our podcast. They're not going to hear you're this. Not, you're, not this. <laughs> you're not wrong. You're not wrong. The ones who thought that Trump was Jesus, we don't probably say lost was, those. Is because they're still there. Yeah. They vanished. The word. <laughs> the moment you muttered the word colonizer, they were gone. That's literally what I said. I was like, they have not made it to this point because they heard the word colonizer and were like, I'm out. <laughs> oh <laughs> that's no, fine. they're that's totally liberals. Um, but yeah, so that's like a brief summary of why genocide of the native people exists um and why we were cast as savages and why so many lies have been taught in schools to this day like shelby yes. knows i could go for an hour just on scalping alone um, <laughs> Sorry. but like in it with all history when you hear about a war when you hear about a dominating force like a colonizing group it all comes down to who owns the land, who owns the resources, water, food, mining, all of that. All of that is who is in power. And if you control that, you control the people because they need to rely on you because you control it. And the natives were being, they they knew how to survive on their own and they couldn't be taxed. So like, what is this nonsense? This is bullshit. I can't control them. I can't even speak to them because most of them don't speak my language. And I don't speak their language because they think, as colonizers think, it was just gibberish to them. Right. But, and then, so, like, when it comes to anything in history, and this is, like, a good basis for this first podcast anyway, for our opening podcast, is for everybody to have an understanding that all of the horrors and atrocities across the world are about power. Yes, and I think too, we'll we'll get more into the things that you were talking about because as I said, it's not my lane to cover indigenous lore, but I mean, when you cover your lore or maybe in the future we can have someone from a different tribe come in and cover their lore, that's definitely like oh, yeah, a prime opportunity. Awesome. That's definitely um, a prime well, opportunity. Well, I think it'll definitely be like a recurring theme, especially because, you know, episode to episode we'll be doing different towns in different places. Right. Maybe you're in the US or you know in different parts of the world and this country before this country was you know the United States of America this mm-hmm. land belonged to the indigenous Turtle Island you know? yeah. it is Turtle Island yes <laughs> yeah um well funny thing fun fact my Twitter location used to say Turtle Island and then uh my Twitter got too big for its bridges and I was like oh y'all don't get to know where I'm at <laughs> So now it just says I'm from t- Transylvania. Oh, like Rocky Horror. Love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Truly love that. Uh, but yeah, so like just as a basis, like a lot of the stuff we're going to cover throughout the entirety of our podcast will end up coming back and circling around to the patriarchy, 
genocide, power struggles, and stuff like that because like That's especially reality. <laughs> especially when we get to the Salem like witch trials. Of course. Because oh. <laughs> I saw Goody Proctor communing with the, the devil. devil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um I saw Tetyaba committing sins with the and devil. And what's sad is like they could have just been like, I saw Goody Proctor reading a book. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> right. Burn the bitch. You're not wrong. <laughs> a book, you say? A book. I saw was, her angle. She was 32 years of age with no husband or kids. Clearly, clearly yeah. work of the devil. And, and like, clearly, and, she's I, insane. And it's always the devil, right? Like, so I didn't like this bitch. So she's clearly communing with the devil. I don't like these native people. So their swamp is clearly of the devil. Right. Yeah. For sure. Just so, just to bring us back to our point, like, yes, all of this connects to the same shit, and how throughout history and throughout colonization, religion has been fucking weaponized. I mean, it is a tool of colonization, so absolutely. Yeah, and uh, like I told you before, uh, when when the groups of people were colonizing. Um, Africa, and they weren't even joking. Like, they, they just called it colonization at that point. They knew what the right. fuck they were doing. Uh, conquering, as they like to call it. The English were in such a numbers game because the English were like, we're using religion, yo. God. We're, we're gonna convert <laughs> them, and if they won't convert, they're of the devil. And, like, that's a fucking that real actual thing that they were like, this is our, our method, our strategy of converting people and colonizing this area. Uh, but it was like, for every country, for every area of Africa that got colonized, they were checkmarking. And it was a numbers game because they were just, all these white men in chairs were laughing at, with each other about what they could control and who of was, course. it was a race to colonize Africa. And yeah. it's literally, that's literally what we call it to this day throughout history is the race for Africa. And my uh, monarchy is better than your monarchy. <laughs> there was children's, like children's songs, you know, like the rose, uh, ring around the rosy thing for the plague. Right. So there were children's songs that counted numbers for how many fucking uh, countries England had colonized. That's gross. It's super fucking gross. But like, yeah. So I feel like that gives us a nice rounding of how christianity especially christianity was uh I, and i want to specify because you don't see a lot of oh well judaism was used to colonize this no if i can no same and thing I, with islam right so i don't want to include all of those religions when i'm talking right. about religion it was fucking christianity yes. <laughs> like um and so christianity is a tool of colonization and i'm not saying christians are bad I am saying this used as a strategy tool for colonization is bad. Yes. Anytime religion is used, is weaponized, you know, for greed or power is mm -hmm. bad. Mili yes. mil militant behavior of any belief system to the point where you want to throttle somebody else's belief system is toxic and horrible. Yes. Yeah. So thank you for that. Yeah, of course. I'm <laughs> that sorry that it took you so long to explain no, it. No, <laughs> it's totally fine. It's it's important. It doesn't get talked about. It gets brushed under the rug. It's like, like we were talking about the other day, people don't like being uncomfortable. No, they don't. And so, it's, it's getting to a point where it's embarrassing how few people want to be uncomfortable. Right. And like I was saying, for me, 
I, I used to, I mean, being uncomfortable, I, I don't like it. But then I, when I sit down and I analyze and I'm like, why does that make you uncomfortable, bitch? And I'm like, oh, that, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> so Yeah, I, so. I mean, I grew up in like primarily native and white neighborhoods as a kid. And mm-hmm. it took me years to unpack the unbeknownst to me anti-blackness in myself. Yes. Mm-hmm. And like... I look back on some of the thought processes and things that I never went, oh, this is bad, because I never saw myself as racist. Of course, no one does. I helped uphold racism through my anti-blackness and through my own biases. And like, I can sit here and say now that the most biased thing I'm biased against is fucking Richmond. Um, But like... (laughs) Cishet men. (laughs) Cishet men with power. Yes. Specifically. But um, yeah, so like obviously native communities uh, and non-black communities in general, none of us are free of anti-blackness and how scarring that is across the worldwide, like in as a huge earth community. <laughs> right. So I think that it's normal, not normal, um, common for- That's a good word for it, I think. Common. Yeah for individuals like ourselves to have had to have gotten into these uncomfortable conversations like this to unpack our biases that were taught to us because we don't we're not born little tiny racists or anything like that oh you're you're pale skinned you must be a racist eh? like no it doesn't like we're not born that way um it is taught to us over and over and over again until it's built into a house of racism yeah and um it's up to us to destroy that house yes yeah yes thank you again yeah sorry continue <laughs> no, it's fine i appreciate it um so where we left off was the um the people had to flee to the swamp and the colonizers had to flee too because they didn't have enough provisions and 150 men had been wounded and 70 had been killed so after this attack the great sachem of the narragansett he assembled 2,000 braves and in a series of counterattacks, he attacked providence rhode island and burned it to the ground unfortunately during this time um Kanonchet, who was the grand sachem he was captured and executed and that ended the attacks from the narragansett Um, The next instance that we have was in December of 1675, King Philip traveled to New York because he wanted the aid of the Mohawk. Um, Whether it was under the governor of New York's orders or of their own accord, the Mohawk attacked King Philip's 500-man band, and they killed anywhere from 70 to 460 of them. So not insignificant of a force that that was already on the small side in comparison to the colonial armies. And then again in this, they had, they didn't have the firepower that the English did. Like the English had guns, they had advanced weaponry because the indigenous people didn't need that. Mm -hmm. So um, unfortunately, this forced King Philip to flee and return back to New England uh, weekend. Um, There were a series of winter attacks. I'm just gonna name off the winter attacks. Um, Andover, Bridgewater, Chelmsford, Groton, Lancaster, Marlborough, Medfield, Medford, 
Portland, Providence, Rehoboth, Situate, Seekonk, Simsbury, Sudbury, Suffield, Warwick, Weymouth, and Rentham, which includes modern-day Norfolk and Plainville, and they destroyed as many colonist settlements as they could. Um, the Plymouth Plantation Campaign, this was a high point in the war for all of the combined tribes. Um, the town was able to withstand this attack, but they were able to get deep into there. And it basically showed the colonizers like, hey, uh, we can, you know, really get past your defenses. You're starting to, you know, not be able to hold us back. Hmm. Um, the next is the Falls Fight. And in retaliation for the numerous Wampanoag attacks, the colonizer soldiers sought out native settlements and they killed anywhere from 100 to 300 of the indigenous people. Um, next is the Second Battle of Nipsichuk. This was led by a female sachem named uh, Kayapin or Kwayapin. I'm not sure which, I apologize. And this was to recover their stolen crops and seeds that had been stolen from them by the colonizers. And at this time, Kayapin drowned trying to cross a river um, into the swamp. Where the And then at this time too, the Narragansett that were with her um, were enslaved if they were captured. And then um, Matu also had um, some interesting information regarding this. I tried really hard to find um, the correct pronouns for Kaipin. Uh Matu is going to explain this further for us. So um, it's really important to state that uh, Native people, like many other cultures, do not have the same Western ideals of gender as Western society does. And um, while we do adhere to it at an extent now, a lot of that is due to colonization. And history is written by the victors, not the losers. So when you see somebody who like, okay, specifically like um, in this case, this, uh, I'm gonna say warrior woman, right? That's like, that would be kind of who she was. She was a warrior woman, even though we didn't really have like warriors, we had braves and stuff like that. Uh, for English purposes, she'd be a warrior woman because she was taking on the role of what would be considered a masculine role and not a feminine role it is very likely like obviously i i, I can't i wasn't there i don't know what pronouns she used but it's very likely that she used a different set of pronouns and i don't mean like oh well she used they them and she was non-binary i that's a completely western concept and is a completely modern concept she would have been considered uh what we modernly call two-spirited and it just means somebody who um worked outside of their typical thing so like if it was a woman who dressed as a man and married other women, they would have that person would have a different pronoun, and this is common for most native nations. It is very important to like recognize the fact that like the Ojibwe and the Anishinaabe, we have six genders, and you would be if you were a a gay man, you would have a different set of pronouns to someone who was a straight man and so on and so forth if you are someone because trans people existed and have existed since the dawn of fucking time yes and we are no exception to that rule native people had trans people uh they would be perfectly accepted uh no issue primarily uh very much similar to uh, many scandinavian uh tribes and clans 
um, your your duties were still like you still had your social obligations. Uh, so it wouldn't be uncommon for, uh, say, this warrior woman to have also been expected to bear children, right. depending on her tribe's belief system. But we are going to use she, her pronouns for lack of a better pronoun set for her. Yes. Uh, because we don't know what those pronouns would have been or if she wanted to use those pronouns. Right. Right. Because just because, you know, gender was seen differently and it was is very much likely that she still saw herself as a woman. And um, it, like it's no different than seeing a butch lesbian woman who still clearly identifies as a woman. Yes. It's just different roles. Like we're not going to call um, God we're not going to call Elizabeth Warren he he him because she's a, in a political like world scheme right. like she, just because yeah. she's a politician uh we wouldn't do that so we're not going to do that here either but I do want to make a point that is very very possible that we are unfortunately misgendering this person yes I did I tried so hard how to like properly address her but i just could not find anything she was always referred to as mm -hmm. female and that was that and then after our conversation about gender um in the indigenous communities i tried very hard to find how to yeah, properly it, address her again history is just kind of like that unfortunately they were um, roommates yeah, they were roommates <laughs> history likes to erase these kinds of things and like yes. It's weird to me because um, for European trans people, especially trans men, they were like widely respected for the most part. Right. Like we had Union soldiers, uh, particularly one named Jack, who uh, fought in the Civil War and married himself a lady and they had kids together. I don't ask me how that happened. I don't know if they, you know, if sperm finds a way. Um, <laughs> Life, uh, finds that they raised, they raised kids together, and he died a happy old man. Like so, we you know, that. we know for a fact <laughs> that like gender is a fucking spectrum. Right. But um, just it's my apology to my fellow trans and non-binary people in my community that we can't find a proper pronoun for this individual that's all that's this that's, that's the only it. thing i wanted yeah. to say is this is my apology to the two-spirited community to the queer community to the trans community i we tried yes. <laughs> yeah i mean if there's anyone out there who knows for sure by all means please. we will put information in the like, description and everything with corrections here for it please give it to us um, but we did do our best. Uh, we did our due diligence. And I, hell, I would just love to know if you know other tribes besides the Ojibwe's uh, multiple gender pronouns, because I would oh, just yes, be fucking please. cool information. I would love that. Yes, truly. But yeah, so that's my, that's all I wanted to say on that. And like, that's my apology on this, but we are going to use she, her pronouns for lack of a better understanding and to just be respectful of maybe that is the pronouns that she used. Yes, thank yeah. you. So, um, unfortunately, at this point, King Philip's allies did begin to abandon him just because the tide had turned in the war, basically. Um, more than 400 various indigenous people had surrendered, understandably so. Um, King Philip was tracked down by the Plymouth Colony Militia at Mount, 
at Mount Hope in Bristol. Um, he was shot and killed by an indigenous man that had converted to Christianity. His name was John Alderman. Also, John Alderman um, knew where to find King Philip. So he basically led them there. He was like, hey, I know exactly where he is. So um, on August 12th, 1676, he led them there. I'm going to put a trigger warning right here and I'm going to wait a couple seconds because this is extremely graphic. Um, this is where I had warned in the beginning that there's a graphic mm -hmm. description of an execution. So um, that's I will also is. put, uh, when we, for anybody listening right now, I'm going to put a timestamp for when the trigger warning would end at. Thank and, you. And uh, that way you can just skip forward. Go ahead. All right. So um, John Alderman shot him and killed him. And then from here, his corpse was beheaded. And then as was the custom of the time, he was drawn and quartered. They cut off his hands. Um, the captain that was in charge of the militia group that led them there gave his fucking hands to John Alderman as trophies because, you know, that's that's what you do. And then um, Alderman charged people to uh, see the head. They displayed it outside the fort in Plymouth for 20 motherfucking years and charged people 30 shillings to come see it. Um, 30 shillings is basically a dollar fifty. So he charged people to come see this man's head like it was a fucking sideshow attraction. Mm, capitalism. Mm, love it, truly. Um, Captain Church, who I keep wanting to refer to as Captain Crunch because my eyeballs don't <laughs> like the word don't like the word church like in this font in my notes for whatever reason don't lie you just don't like many, the word church. many reasons we don't like the word church uh, so many reasons this colonizer <laughs> man we don't like churches and captain crunch let's not the, insult captain crunch though you know? i think i saw somewhere that based off of his hat captain crunch would actually be an admiral so. yeah <laughs> But uh, so from there, Captain Church and his soldiers captured a, a Pakistan war chief named Anuwan 10 days later on August 28th at uh, Anuwan Rock in Rehoboth. This uh, rock is named after him. He was an old man. They tracked down an old man. Um, he was the chief. Uh, he was the chief captain, like the war chief uh, for King Philip. His capture marked the final event in King Philip's War, and he was also beheaded because we behead old men that fucking surrender. Um, at the end of at the end of this, a thousand colonizers and three thousand indigenous people were killed. Um, also, Winslow, from this point on, any indigenous person that they found whether or not they declared neutrality and up to and including the indigenous people that fucking fought on their side were enslaved yeah. uh, a lot of people actually don't know that uh native americans were enslaved at massive rates like very large numbers um i do want to make a side note here that if you are a black person listening to this and hearing about this um please keep in mind uh, and take take this knowledge with you that many tribes also enslaved black people and to this day i i am one of many native americans who are fighting for the freemen of the cherokee like cherokee tribe to be reinstated as cherokee members and um if you are a 
indigenous black person and you have indigenous roots just know that like we deeply support you and um this is in no way to undermine the severity of enslavement of black people of course yeah Yeah, absolutely um at the time of anawan's execution he surrendered king philip's prized possession which was his wampum belt Um, I did find a description of the wampum belt and it's as follows. Um, Philip's belt, curiously woven of wampum, nine inches broad in black and white figures and flowers and many pictures of birds and bears. This one hung upon Captain Crunch's shoulders. It reached to his ankles (laughs) and another belt of wampum he presented to him wrought after the former manner, which Philip was wont to put upon his head. It had two flags on the back part, which hung down his back, and another small belt with the star upon the end of it while he used to hang upon his breast. So um, this belt contained the history and the stories of the tribe in the images and the pattern work. And then um, I have a note here where uh, Matu wanted to discuss the importance of wampum belts. Uh, yeah, so a wampum belt, for anyone who doesn't know, so like the way the story was told to me by the elders is that um, a half Manatu half native man uh manitou just means spirit uh so closest thing would be like a, a would be close to a demigod but they're not demigods i just want to be very clear that that's just like an english translation for ease of understanding uh but so he's half manitou um and he was one of four brothers when he was on his travels because he traveled all over turtle island um he met a the bear clan the bear clan and stole a wampum belt from the bear clan because he thought it was pretty. Um, <laughs> that's the rough concept of it, but he did end up coming back and returning it. And um, the story is much longer than this, but I'm summarizing. He did end up returning it, but the concept of the, the wampum belt now is also a concept of treaties between tribes. And they are also embroidered with the history of said people. And that's why they were so upset when he stole this uh, wampum belt. And that's why it's so important to recognize how fucked up it is that the colonizers took this belt. Yes. Um, There's also an account from an Englishman who happened upon King Philip and saw him wearing the wampum belt. He said that he believed that the beautiful belt would be worth 20 pounds sterling, which is about 6,500 US dollars in today's money. (sighs) (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ. Yes. Uh, Governor Shipbag Winslow sent this belt along with other war spoils with Major Waldegrave Pelham, which is like the most Victorian fucking name. But (laughs) (laughs) I know it wasn't even I know it wasn't even Victorian times yet, but it is like the most Victorian damn name. And it's like so painfully English. (laughs) It is. he sent him uh, with war spoils and the belt because he wanted to give them to the king because he's like, look what I did. Um, two years later, Winslow learned that Pelham basically like yeeted and <laughs> took the belt and the war spoils with him because uh, he owed his wife money and didn't want to pay his wife money. So he dipped. Um, that sounds like a man thing to do. Oh, right. Like no man has ever done that. What? Never happened uh, before. Never. Not once. Unique circumstance. <laughs> so it's believed that um as as a result of like the massive amount of bloodshed and then ending that with the theft of the wampum belt is why the bridgewater triangle you know has so many unexplained phenomenon going on i don't necessarily want to use the word haunted 
Well, no, I love the concept here of it being haunted. Not saying that it is because I don't actually believe in like ghosts, but um, this is funny to me. Have you noticed that colonizers do a bunch of fucked up shit and then they're just like, oh no, the savages have cursed us. <laughs> like maybe don't fucking do fucked up shit and you won't get cursed, bitch. <laughs> they're all, hmm, that's peculiar. I wonder how that happened. <laughs> right? Like, okay, so like clearly that doesn't exist. It's almost as bad as somebody saying like that their grandfather was a Cherokee shaman when the Cherokee never had shamans. Like, I okay. have Cherokee and my grandma was the Cherokee princess. shamans princesses everybody's always cherokee too they're always cherokee like it's the only tribe that exists anymore um (laughs) like there's no other ones they all just bled together to be cherokee fuck the iroquois fuck the blackfeet (laughs) fuck lakota fuck the ojibwe none of you exist y'all are gone now um (laughs) yeah i just I, i like the concept that it's cursed uh because I love that white people do stupid shit and then get scared of it. No, I'm fine with the idea of curse. It's just like the particular of like haunted. Where oh, they're, all, they're just spooky, uh, dusty. And again, like they're just scared of things that they fucked up. And I just yes. find that fucking hilarious. Like really? uh, the white people that are afraid of asylums, maybe you shouldn't have fucking tortured people in them and they wouldn't be fucking haunted. <laughs> maybe you shouldn't have put women in there for enjoying a good book now and again. <laughs> I like people who still think that Salem, Massachusetts is haunted. Uh, I'm just like, it's fun to believe. It's fun to like play around with this kind of stuff. I find it, I do find it enjoyable to that extent. But at the exact same time, I'm just like, if you didn't do the thing that would have made the thing fucked up. (laughs) You wouldn't have this problem. (laughs) But we wouldn't have a podcast. So continue. Yes. (laughs) True that. So, um, just another note about the belt. There was a search um, launch for the belt in 1970 because, understandably, the people want the belt back. No shit. It, it's never been found, unfortunately. Um, there is a suspicion that it's been lost at sea, just because um, when Pelham disappeared, mm-hmm. they don't know if he disappeared and like went somewhere else, or like if his boat sank. There's not really a clear. He um, left and here's how he went. Where, where I he hope went. that he hit a storm and sink. Not, yeah. not only, not only just because of the theft of the wampum belt and the other like war spoils, uh, but because he mm. fucked over his wife. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that All guy. That and he <laughs> fucked over his wife. Fuck you. Right. He was a piece of shit. So I hope he yes. was lost at sea. Like it sucks yes. that we no longer have access to finding the wampum belt because yes, God, what a huge so historical much. piece of like. Yes. It would have so much history written in it and the right. work. Yes. Because, like, just so I think about how it would be like, uh, like equivalence. And people are going to think this is extreme. The equivalence of losing this wampum belt is the equivalence of losing the Library of Alexandria. Yeah. There's so much to it. That's... Mm-hmm. Because we lost so much history because of that. Yes. So that's the um, unfortunate and horrific backstory to the uh, Bridgewater Triangle. And from here, I just like to give some examples of um, instances that happen here. Um, one is that um, on Anawan's rock, people claim to see the spirit of Anawan walking around his rock. 
And then um, there's some cryptid sightings in the Hockabock Swamp. There's instances of giant snakes, but it's a swamp. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's also instances of giant flying birds. And people are like, oh my god, thunderbirds. <laughs> but like, giant birds and giant fucking snakes exist in swamps. Right. Like, like the the fact that those two things could have just come from florida up to new england right like like people are just like it's spooky it has the red <laughs> eyes <laughs> y'all need to florida stop man. doing so much fucking drugs like stop <laughs> stop it stop i'm not it. saying you can't do drugs just don't do so much <laughs> moderation like, yeah moderation's uh, good for you like i was telling stephanie amato that I may or may not include Bigfoot in it, but when I did some research <laughs> into Bigfoot, I found some things that were so funny to me that I was just like, okay, I'm going to include Bigfoot. Um, just most Bigfoot sightings are usually bears, you guys, mm -hmm. like a wet bear or a bear that has like mange and is losing its hair. Um, mm -hmm. Like Google it though. Like wet bears are fucking werewolf style yes. terrifying. Holy shit, it's terrifying. It's so fucking scary. <laughs> like every werewolf like sighting that I've like every I time just like it's Atlas a wet bear. I freaking out. I gotta stop for a second. I'm okay, sorry. Hold on, I'll pause. Yeah, thank you. So um, one of the main claims comes from some cats that were sitting in their cruiser and they claim that the Bigfoot picked up the back of their cruiser when they were parked near the forest and then just like plopped it down and ran off because why the fuck not right um also i don't know why all of these sightings happened in like the fucking 70s but there's a time drugs. wait i know why yep yep steph got it already <laughs> drugs 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 that cat Drugs. No, 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 thank you. Drugs. No, thank you. <laughs> oh uh, uh, but some farmers in the 70s claim that a Bigfoot quote unquote went nuts and slaughtered their livestock. Because Bigfoot's got to eat too, I guess. I mean, I would assume so, but you would think that, like, there is an absurd amount of, like, um, deer life living in the forest area up there, so. I know, right? Like the Bigfoot could eat the deer, but fuck your cow in particular. Right? <laughs> maybe, maybe you slaughtered your own cow and just wanted to get more money out of it. Maybe. And you, you forgot because like, you were on drugs. <laughs> you were on drugs. <laughs> okay, like Occam's oh razor, you find a dead cow, and why does your brain go Bigfoot? Like, I honestly. Drugs. Drugs. <laughs> we know how popular drugs were in the 70s and 60s truly, truly. um hilariously in 1976 the fbi investigated the existence of bigfoot <laughs> i found this excerpt from an article and laughed hysterically it goes as follows in 1976 federal investigators responded to a request by peter byrne director of the bigfoot information center and exhibition which was sponsored by the academy of applied science in boston because of course the academy of applied science needs a fucking bigfoot information center um, <laughs> to analyze mysterious hairs attached to a piece of skin after the washington environmental atlas wrote in 1975 that the fbi had analyzed a scrap of hair and it was quote found to belong to no known animal unquote 
Byrne asked whether the FBI had truly conducted this analysis. Will you kindly, to set the record straight once and for all, inform us if the FBI has examined hair, which might be that of a Bigfoot, when this took place, if it did take place, and what the results of the analysis were, Byrne wrote in an August 26th letter. Please understand that our research here is serious, that this is a serious question that needs answering, and that an examination of hair, or the opposite, by the FBI does not in any way, as far as we are concerned, suggest that the FBI is associated with our project or conforms in any way the possibility of the existence of the creatures known as Bigfoot. I fucking salad for did you do it or not. <laughs> I, I just, and like, that's my, my thought process here is, do you think when he sent it in, he knew already what it was. And that's how he knew they hadn't investigated it properly. I don't know. Cause he, I mean, it was deer hair. <laughs> right, 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 right. Like the, obviously they do in fact come forward with the fact that it's deer hair, but like, um, do you think he knew that? And when they were like, it is no known like animal. Like, do you think he was like bullshit? Because I know I took it from a deer. <laughs> like, do you think that that was like a testing you're probably, you? If you did know, you're probably so far in that you're just like, what? <laughs> right? A like, deer? I could have sworn this was God. Bigfoot. I that just, was a Bigfoot hair. That's just my thought process of like, maybe he was trying to like pull a big one over on the FBI and like waste resources. Right. I don't know. Because additionally, um, that documentary that I told you guys about, fucking Sasquatch, the one that like Michael was scrolling through Hulu and was like, oh, this looks hilarious. Let's watch this. So we watch it and it starts out as like a goofy, like, I want to fuck Bigfoot type deal. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, there is an absurd amount of people who truly deeply do want to fuck Bigfoot. Like, uh, give me one second. Like, continue what you're talking about, about Michael. And I'm going to look something up because I, I need you to know a certain thing. So go ahead. Well, additionally, like the, the people in the documentary, they're all, I'm out here doing Bigfoot calls. And I'm like, <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you going to do if a giant hominid ape man hears your call and is like, oh, that's like a lady Bigfoot that is like DTF and kind but of how do you know at you? what a Bigfoot call is? Like, that's I just, how do you know? Okay. Listen to this. Listen to this. Alone with Bigfoot, a cryptid romance. Seduced oh, by no. Bigfoot and ravaged by the Yeti, the secret adventures Rap of a fertile... A fertile housewife. A fertile housewife. That's all I need to hear. <laughs> Bigfoot and the Librarian Mystic Springs series. Book one. Book one. Uh, alone with the female Bigfoot, the cryptid romance. Kidnapping his forever, a folklore book. I'm in pain. Living <laughs> Among Bigfoot, volume 16 through 20. Why is there someone out there that can devote this much thought? <laughs> a collector's edition. Why are these being made into books? The Bigfoot's <laughs> Mate, a gay paranormal romance with fur. I gave myself to Bigfoot, book one of the Monster Fling series. Book one. <laughs> of many. Loving Bigfoot, a romance. Satisfying, satisfying Bigfoot's nightly desires, a BWWM paranormal monster shifter erotica. 
Old MacDonald had a Bigfoot, a Bigfoot erotica. Hey, that one's free. Uh, five sexy <laughs> hey, Bigfoot sex short stories. Paranormal monster erotica. Let it happy happen. Two stories of Bigfoot romance by Sam the Sammy Max romance series. Chuck Bigfoot Tingler's Volume One. This is too many. <laughs> uh huh. Uh, witches on Ice, a Bigfoot Bay witches paranormal cozy mystery. Did you just say Bigfoot Bay? Yep. Yep. This is too much. Bigfoot Blues, a novel. Seduced by Bigfoot the Second, the continuation of the most erotic adventure oh, with the, the most, most. That one's going to tout that it's the most erotic Bigfoot yep. erotica. <laughs> a Dark Curse. Uh, searching for Lily, Eagle Point Search and Rescue book, a Bigfoot romance. You're like hurting me. <laughs> the Bigfoot Bundle. Bigfoot and the Bridesmaid. Let it happen. Book two. I just, just like, for me, the people who like go out there and do the calls, just what are you going to do if Bigfoot comes charging out of the woods with like a raging boner and like <laughs> horny Bigfoot? Can I tell you that I'm, I'm, I just scrolled to page three. There's page four. Uh, and can't, I can't keep going because we'd be here all night oh, if I told I'm, you every I'm single title. Moving on. <laughs> um, but so people want to fuck Bigfoot real bad. I'm and uh, I'm uh, on page six okay. now, and there's still more. Oh my god! Okay, but only semi-related, but also hilarious to me was that there was a man who allegedly shot and killed a Bigfoot in Mount St. Helens, and then he tried to sell it online, right? But then he withdrew the sale when he realized that it might be illegal to kill and sell a Bigfoot. Oops. AKA, I didn't really do that. <laughs> and like, so all of these Bigfoot sightings were kind of around the swamp, right? Like yes, not the, not, not that one, the but the, the ones we're talking about. Obviously, like obviously not the sexy books that I just listed off that you can find on Amazon.com. <laughs> Amazon.com. Where you find your sexy, not affiliated <laughs> at all. Uh, but low-key, sponsor us if you want. <laughs> please don't. Big... Audible. Don't, please audible, don't. Like, audible, audible, audible. Yes. Hey, hey audible. Audible. Like, Amazon, if you're listening. Like, oh, the internal turmoil that would cause me if Amazon truly, was like. But also, hey, audible. Huh? Hey, audible. Hey, boo. Right here. Uh, so, but no, for real, like the amount of, well, it's a spooky swamp. So obviously there's cryptids there. It's just the fucking funniest shit to me. And like, so the one thing that you were saying that they swear in the swamp is the only thing that makes sense to me is the Pukwudgies. And yes. like, that's the only thing I can sit there and go, yeah, I can fucking see that. But if one person comes up to me and goes, the native haunted swamp has werewolves because natives can turn into werewolves a la Stephanie Meyer, I will fucking scream bloody murder. The Mormon werewolves. The Mormon werewolves who are not <laughs> actual natives and are played by people with dark skin. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Fucking Taylor Lautner is not native. He's like Italian or something. Uh, he's all, I just happen to have melanin. I'm actually very white. <laughs> yeah, he actually came out and was like, yeah, I'm like mixed. And they're like, he has latent indigenous ancestors. Latent. Oh, so what, you mean a, a raped native woman? That's what you mean by latent? Oh, like, okay, okay, boo. Right. Um, also, there were two specific incidents in 1998 of, um, cattle mutilations it mm -hmm. was two sheep where some 
idiot spray painted like upside down pentacles on them because why not? That's because not Satan. what those are. Satan. That's that's, that's our are. Satan cult, right? Or satanic cult. Oh, I'm I'm friends. going into the cult now. The cult yeah, was yeah. previous. So, um, between October of 1979 and February of 1980, an absolute edgelord by the name of Carl Drew held satanic cult meetings in the woods. Um, Carl, I am loath to use the word pimp, so I'm going to be um, referring to him as an exploiter of sex workers. Um, he had several sex workers that were working under him and he forced them to attend these gatherings um, the women said that he would quote unquote chant in a different language <laughs> I don't think he did I think he just mumbled whatever came to mind to be he honest just, he read way too much Aleister Crowley shit which if you've ever read any of Aleister Crowley's journals like I have one because I, I bought it out of the deep curiosity Aleister uh, Crowley is king edgelord he is uh, <laughs> and there's like a like I, I, I want to do uh, an entire podcast, uh, like episode on him eventually. I um, appreciate his tolerance for, uh, like the LGBTQ community. Oh, well, he was time. fucking pan as shit. Like, he was. He, he was a rapist. We'll say that, but he was super queer, um, yes. because he believed that like a hole was a hole. Um, That's fair. I'm not like, the fucking whole sex kidding. Magic- yeah he started the entire like i have a whole book about sex magic because i was so fascinated by this psychotic topic but um (laughs) if you've ever read any of alistair crowley's like writings they're word salad it's gibberish man's was doing way too many drugs and had fucking perma fried that brain so i wonder if it was just him mumbling some of like alistair crowley's shit because that was like their god you know what i mean like everybody was like suck on the crowley dick and like that for a wannabe satanist cult like leader absolutely especially one who saw himself as a pimp um and like a a ruler of women yeah i could absolutely see him being a follower of aleister crowley's teachings i mean if you want to uh read something that'll make you want to stab your own eyeballs out all oedipus um you can go read his website where he says he didn't do it oh i'm sure he thinks he didn't yeah, no, he's like, I did not do this. It wasn't me. But um, he basically forced the sex workers that were working under him. He called them his flock, their word, not mine. <sighs> um, <laughs> and he would tell them how they were going to complete these ritualistic human sacrifices. And that if they did not participate, that he would cause them extreme bodily harm and or kill them. So they did this twice. Um, from what I could find, uh, they were like the sex workers were absolutely working under duress. There was one of them where, like, the investigators said that they're not sure if it was under duress or, you know, or if she was willingly participating in this or not. Um, but ultimately, her testimony and then another sex worker's testimony. Um, put him behind bars forever he's been in there since 1981 um in 2005 oh he rotten he's like please rot super Uh, rot (laughs) in 2005 he applied to have a new trial because he was like uh my lawyer fucked it up but uh that was very very swiftly denied uh he published this long ass word salad blah 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 letter saying i didn't do it Mm. type deal but 
Okay, Carl. Okay, but like <laughs> uh, Manson didn't technically do it either. And no, you're absolutely right. He's still yeah. like fucking fried for it. And like, I, you, you know me, I'm not, I don't support the prison system, especially in the US because I think it's no. torture and it's um, free. Like they're, they're using those people as enslaved people. Roses are red, Doritos are savory. The United States prison complex is legalized slavery. That right there. Damn. <laughs> uh, but like, there are certain people who I hope they fucking rot behind bars. And that's one of the motherfuckers. Like, when they were like, Manson's gonna be fried, I was like, good. And good. the fuck, Five you want me to feel bad about it? You want me to right. feel bad about him? No, the guy was a fucking monster. And the more they continued to let him have his quote-unquote supposed almost wives visit him, the more he was being able to push his agenda through the prison system. Like, there were women who were in love and obsessed with him and who were murdering people for him while he was in prison. Like, yes. the guy was, uh, f- like, should not have had those privileges whatsoever. So I'm glad that he's <laughs> no longer with us. Speaking of a road trip to the grave. <laughs> Road trip to the grave, Charles Manson. It's funny because he's dead. Oh. It's funnier because he's dead. Yes, it's excellent. Uh. My favorite thing that happened was like the uh, battle over his body because the coroner in Kern County was like, I want a fucking thing to do with that. Right. But like, so yeah, that, and it's the same thing. It's like this fucking guy who uh, clearly in, entrapped women and exploited women to his fucking whims and use them for his you know i want to play satan daddy bullshit um (laughs) and like attributing that shit to natives just by proxy because of the location i hope he have fucking rots in hell and i hope the coroner especially is just like ew gross don't touch me yeah (laughs) i hope that he gets the same fucking treatment he can rot there the coroner is the sheriff and he's a piece of shit so just putting that out there (laughs) i mean they're all pieces of shit the coroner that handled charles manson's body is also the elected sheriff in kern county (laughs) gross um (laughs) a cap um but yeah so please continue with our our supposed spoopies and the the supposed haunted swamp Yes. So that's the end of what I had. Um, if you'd like to cover Puckwudgies, that's... Yeah, we could talk... Okay, so, like, Puckwudgies is a pretty easy topic to cover. Um, at some point, I could probably... We could probably do um, some of, like, some fun lore, like a side episode for our Patreon members. Uh, yeah. Just on some of the, the, the funner lore of, like, Puckwudgies and other Manatu. Um, but so Pakwachi is as like a perfect one that I showed a story to Shelby the other day was this 30 year old man talking about how when he was little, his dad told him the story of Pakwachi's and how you don't whistle in the woods. And um, so whistling in the woods is a thing that is kind of common amongst many nations and like shows up for different Manitou as well in different like creatures. So like flesh pedestrians and wendy's and stuff like that um but for the puckwidgies they're considered um tricksters like little evil spirits that aren't really evil they're just 
mischievous. Little, it's little tiny Lokis. But they're little <laughs> tiny babies. They're little like pixies and brownies and stuff like that. Like that's the best like uh, way to explain it is there our version of Faye. And oh, um, every time I hear the Faye, like the Scottish part of me is like, no. <laughs> right. Um, so if you've ever seen uh, the way that the unseelie um, Faye are depicted in, um, God, what is that really like Brian Froud? you know his work you know what i'm talking about yeah um so he draws them with like animalistic features and stuff like that um uh they're also in lakota they're called the chanatila um and i'm pretty sure i'm saying that correctly it took me forever to learn the enunciation for it um but pakwajis are just these like little creatures who can take on different forms based on different elements of nature so like uh, swamp pukwudgies would probably look different. So the swamp would probably have pukwudgies that look more fish-like or um, within that kind of concept of what swampy creatures. And uh, whereas in like a regular forest, you're gonna see ones that look more like hedgehogs or, you That's know. adorable. Yes, some of the artwork for Pukwudgies is really cute. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, but they're like- I'm gonna, I'm gonna die petting something I shouldn't. Same, but like the concept is like, you don't go into the forest and whistle because that's like telling a fae your name. It gives them power over you. And um, when children wander alone in the forest, or the swamp in this case, they're stolen by Pukwudgies. So like they would steal you, bring you to their realm where you would serve out your like life. And is it a... is just like the Fae when they would take yes, take you and enslave ask. you as their mortal servants. Well, I was gonna ask, um, is there like similar to the Changeling War? Because the thing with the Fae was like, um, I mean, honestly, it's really interesting because it's basically like when you look at the changeling, it's like textbook autism. Right. So, so, okay. There are a few like, so in native lore, we don't really have anything that particularly matches changeling lore. Mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to talk from my Scandinavian side for half a second. So for anybody listening, I'm Anishinaabe and Scandinavian. I'm biracial. My mom is super, super fucking pasty white. My dad is brown. Um, and I got my mom's skin tone. Thanks, mom. Um, but I literally look like my dad tried to print himself out and was out of ink. But uh, I'm serious. But so on the Scandinavian lore side, like the concept of uh, changelings, there's one particular, like, so most people know the changeling story. Uh, a kid is stolen and replaced with a fae so that the fae can grow up in the human world, right? Yeah. This, interesting enough, so do you know that when the fae take a mortal to their realm, that that mortal can't die unless they're, like, killed? Oh, that's crazy. I didn't and, know that, no. In some lore, yeah. I, so not all lore, but you will, like, be the same age that you are forever. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, babies and stuff can grow to a certain age or something like that. It's, like, very complicated. Depends on the lore itself. Is it because of, like, a dune and all that? Uh, I think so. But, so, what they would... The Fae would see sick children. Like, not able to survive in the human realm children and they would replace them with a viable infant fey child Aww. and glamour them so that those humans would raise their baby that they couldn't take care of. Aww. 
like and they would have their ch child still because their child was just gonna die and um that is the best way i've heard the changeling story and it's the only way i ever want to hear the changeling story like told ever again yeah, um it's horrifying the because other way. the truth the truth <laughs> of the changeling story is that there were kids with autism and they accused them of being fae because they didn't act like normal quote-unquote humans that's why and... i was saying it's like textbook autism because like the kids you know they would be like five or six years old not show any signs of autism or anything and then one day when they would start mm -hmm. showing the signs of like textbook autism then they would be like oh my god the fae took my kid like, right um, it's just like um, when we get to the New Jersey cryptids, when we start talking about the Jersey Devil, which is one of my favorite cryptids. Um, I love the, Jersey Devil. the Jersey Devil was actually just a baby with a deformation. Of course. That somebody took a picture of and was like, look at this freak. Uh, it's a cryptid. <laughs> uh, but it was literally just somebody's kid. Like, don't be a dick. That's but, just someone's kid. You're being an asshole. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, so no changeling lore among the Pukwudgies that I know about, but yeah, uh, kidnapped by the Pukwudgies was like, you went into the forest when I fucking told you not to, and now you're gone. You see um, that across so many cultures, like the mm -hmm. story of like cryptids or spirits or beings to like scare your kids to keep them away from well like the, the elder yeah the elders tell us these stories to keep us from making stupid mistakes. Right. What's funny is that when a girl in Ojibwe culture, when a girl comes to puberty, you know, when she has Age. her first cycle, yes. yeah, when she becomes a woman, a um, woman. we <laughs> would send uh, our daughters out into the middle of the forest or uh, into a safe place mm -hmm. where they would go for the week and have their first period because of, like, some belief of, like, not not like the catholic belief of oh it's sin or whatever like that but it had right. something to do with the manatu um and or if babies. anybody who wants to learn more about like how uh women in the ojibwe culture which is a matriarch um like exists and how all of that operates um you can listen to uh holding our our world together by brenda child um so the reason that we sent women women away when they got their first period or when they were bleeding was because um, Ojibwe women uh, worked the the wild rice fields and you know that those are like swampy, right? Um, and so you couldn't have the the blood in the the fields. Yes, of course. Yeah, so that's yeah. all it was. And it, I know it sounds so like like um you know like like there's a huge mystery around it or something right. um but yeah so like swamps have always been places of like native life yes. and um when they would take the children out with them to do any like laborious jobs like gathering or something like that it makes sense to say there are pakwajis you know yes. don't whistle don't wander right. so i think that that like probably became this thing that like white people got a hold of that information through storytelling or natives just being like hey don't wander through the 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 swamp or the forest because of pukwudgies and then game of telephone when we get you know somebody yes. going oh there are these you know 
evil monsters in the the haunted swamp kind of thing. Right. But yeah, so as most native Manitou have been villainized by, um, you know, white culture. So yeah, culture. Uh, <laughs> and Hollywood. Thanks. Yeah, Hollywood. and Hollywood. <laughs> uh, like she who must not be named and her um Puckwudgie school in the um you oh, know wizarding school Ugh, <laughs> yes like the american um school has that... fucking puckwudgies and i was like are you high um <laughs> that was horrible i forgot about that because i remember the absolute backlash on well that. she also fucking based her little like gremlin water monsters off of puckwudgies and oh, yeah. off of the swamp version of Puckwudgies, and yeah. even fucking called them Puckwudgies. And um, I just, I, I, there's a special place in hell for people who take other people's stories and monetize them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Little seats, mm. little tiny chairs, little special sections. <laughs> yes, little seats, uncomfortable seats. Yes, but uh, so that is the tale of. Um, the Bridgewater Triangle and its extremely unfortunate history. Yeah. I feel like I made a note for myself at the beginning of it where it all boils down to if you have abundance, build a log build a longer table, not a higher mm-hmm. fence. Absolutely. And that like just like what I was talking about with genocide and everything else, when it comes to uh like genocide, it's all about you know taking away from others so you can have more for yourself and that's why you see people fighting for rights for themselves like marginalized people fighting for rights for themselves and hearing backlash from conservatives saying well they just don't want us to have rights because that's what they would do to us right they're afraid we're gonna do to them what they did to us and as a native person as i always say white people should be very happy but the only thing we want is acceptance and equality and not revenge yes absolutely absolutely um i also wanted to take the opportunity because i you see so much i mean obviously every case of a missing person or a murdered person is Mm -hmm. tragic however you see so much coverage for white especially white women right missing uh for instance, Gabby Petito. That I was going to say, Gabby, like, oh, was attention. such a large voice that a TikToker found her body. Yes. And um, we do not see that for the missing um, and murdered indigenous and, tra- like, transgender and uh, cisgender women of, like, indigenous communities. We don't see that at all. And I will, in the um, description, add some links for y'all to research more about missing indigenous trans and um, non-trans women West Burning. Um, And that way you guys can educate yourself on that if you feel inclined. And there will be links on how you can support the efforts of our sisters trying to find our other sisters. Yes, thank you. That was perfect. So um, I think we're going to end every episode with a person of a person of color, an MMIW who is currently missing Um, for this week. The person um, that we found and wanted to cover is Kimberly Michelle Bearclaw Iron. 
She's 21 years old. She's a mother of three. She's been missing since September of 2020. She's described as being five foot two and 126 pounds. She has brown hair and light brown eyes. And in addition to that, um, she has a small scar between her eyes. And if you know anybody who has any connections to sex work in your area, please ask about missing indigenous women because nine times out of 10, what is happening is they are being trafficked. Yes. Um, She was a resident of the Crow Reservation in Montana, but for the year prior to her disappearance, she had been living in Billings. Her father, Curtis, has stated that he's received a few phone calls from from her, but he says that in them she's uh, in tears and she's stating that she's stuck and needs money. The first call came in September 2020 and she said that she was in Las Vegas, Nevada, saying that her boyfriend had been arrested. And then a few days later, he got another phone call um, from what she was saying that she was in the Long Beach, California area. And her father has said that both of these calls were extremely unlike her because she almost never left the state of Montana. Um, The last time the family heard from Kimberly was on October 6th, but her father has said of the calls, something didn't add up. She was always on speakerphone, so the people she was with, whoever they were, could hear everything that she was saying. She would tell me that she was okay, but she didn't sound okay to me, and she didn't sound like herself. At the time of her disappearance in late 2020, police captain Jay Middlestead stated, we believe that at this time, Kimberly Iron is in the greater Los Angeles area, but I mean, again, this was two years ago, almost two years ago, so it's possible she could be anywhere else. Um, We know she has contacted her family, but until she notifies law enforcement, this is still considered to be a missing persons case. Her family fears, as Matu said, her family fears that she's being sex trafficked. Um, Her grandmother, Marilyn Chief, has reached out to her on social media, but she only receives very vague responses that she doesn't believe are Kimberly. Hmm. Um, She stated, she has responded, but it doesn't make sense. The responses are short and odd, and they don't sound like her. We feel like someone is messing with us. Um, the grandmother spoke to a Dateline reporter, and she said she says that missing people and loss are not at all uncommon on the reservation. She's experienced several losses herself and unsolved murders. Um, these include her brother, her son, and her grandchildren. She's quoted as saying, the life we live on this reservation, we never get justice, but we still fight for it. What we've already been through was so tragic, and now this. This is why I knew I had to step in. We need a plan, and we want to bring her home safe. Anyone who has any information on Kimberly's whereabouts is asked to call the Bighorn County Sheriff's Office at area code 406-665-9780, and her case number is 20 dash zero one two eight eight and uh, yeah just like my own personal connection to stuff like this as my grandmother was an mmiw and um because when her mother went into labor with her the only hospital near them was a white hospital and not like anything like safe for uh you know, native people, because this was, it was a long time ago. You know, my grandmother died when she was in her late eighties. So um, the, they took my uh, great grandmother's child, my grandmother, and sold her to a uh, white family. And um, basically told the white family that, oh no, she was put up for adoption. But they told, from what I know, from the records we were able to cipher together was that uh my great-grandmother was likely told that she died at birth as a um, 
as many Native women were told that their children died at birth and never even got to see the bodies or bury them or anything like that because they were actually just sold to white people yeah. as part of the uh, ongoing genocide against Native people. Yes, just horrific. So um, with that being said, we'll see you guys next week when uh, Stephanie takes the wheel of the hearse. <laughs> She's going to be covering uh, the Taunton State Hospital in the Lizzie Borden house. Yeah, this week I'm kind of just in the backseat. Um, <laughs> Vibing. I'm not really, not really feeling well, so that's why I was a little quiet today. But um, yeah, I'm excited. Next week we'll talk about Taunton State Hospital um, and the Lizzie Borden house, which both are oddly connected in a way um, by lore and rumors that were spread. Um, so that will be our topic for next week. Daisy also wants to take the wheel next week, so. Just, yeah, I can drive. I can. <laughs> she can totally drive with her little paws. She doesn't yep. have Her little beansies. Her little toe beans. <laughs> oh. Okay, we will see you guys next week. That's all for this part of the journey. Our drivers will gas up the hearse, and the rest of you, well, good night. Sleep tight. And remember, those aren't bed bugs biting you when a limb slides off the side of the bed. <laughs>